Hi, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. Before we get started, I realized I made a very, very silly mistake in my Aphrodite episode part 1, where I said Aphrodite had Pasiphae lie with the Minotaur and bear the Cretan bull, but she actually laid with the Cretan bull and bore the Minotaur. It, it would now seem very weird once you realize that mistake, how did I make it in the first place, and to be completely honest, I have no idea. So, today, uh, although I have stalled a very long time on putting on this not-so-long episode, we will continue our discussion of the war god Ares. This episode will be entirely focused on the famous stories he was involved in to help us better characterize the god and see how he was portrayed in various myths. Consider this part two of Ares. Um, just as a kind of like preface, I won't necessarily talk about every single story because some instances are better uh, contextualized in different stories or episodes entirely, so I've omitted things here and there, and I've tried avoiding things that get too, too, too obscure, like something you really just don't want to hear. So, without further delay, let's dive right in. So, Adonis. Hopefully you remember Adonis, the son of Mira and Cineros, daughter and father, um, from like the Aphrodite episodes. So, Ares was apparently pretty jealous of this guy for getting like the favor of Aphrodite, so he in some versions is actually said to have been the boar that charged Adonis and killed the foolish lad. Now, that's not usually how the story goes, it's usually just a boar, and you know there's a boar association with Ares, so perhaps that's still supposed to be the connection, but this is like a pretty niche version to know. Next, we have Aietes. Um, he's this king of Colchis, and he's a son of Helios and the Oceanid Perse slash Perseus, and Ares apparently gave him a curus, a curos. If you don't know what a curos is, it's kind of like a breastplate. So it's like, it's pretty much what you would think of, like the first piece of armor you would think if you heard someone said they had armor is like that chest plate or breastplate. And uh, this was given to Aetes after he killed the giant Mimas in the Gigantomachy. So seemingly this is Mimas's breastplate, although how does it? giant's breastplate fit on a dude i don't get it but that is the case um the other story that Ares and aetes are involved in is that there is a grove of Ares and colchis where a dragon slash serpent that Ares gave to him sat and guarded the golden fleece that remained in the grove this is the explanation for why aetes was very wary of giving the golden fleece away uh in the argonauts or sorry in the like argonaut uh episode that i've yet to do but episode in a different sense anywho next we have apollo so according to pausanias Ares is said to have lost to him in boxing during like the first olympic games and now this really just makes you think like Ares shouldn't lose a fight like you know the greek god of war I don't know. I really, I mean, that's kind of like one of the comical things about Ares in Greek myth is he's actually not that good at fighting seemingly, or at least he gets bested very consistently. Whether or not he's good at fighting, maybe that just says more a lot about his opponents than himself. Um, also, Hera apparently actually had Ares help ensure that no place in Greece allowed Leto, mother of Apollo, to give birth. So I guess Ares was like keeping watch of like any lands that would possibly let Leto give birth. Clearly did not work very well, but apparently that was the case. Next, we have Cadmus. So, 
this definitely could be better contextualized, but because it's kind of its own, uh, like, unique part of the story, we can talk about it here. So Cadmus is known for founding Thebes, and he killed a serpent that was sometimes said to be the child of Ares um, to retrieve water from a spring. For this, Cadmus served Ares for eight years, or an eternal year, I think is what, like, is a different uh, name for it, um, before marrying Ares' daughter, Harmonia. Very interesting that he marries Ares' daughter. But anywho, later on, after all their kids died, Ares turned him and his wife Harmonia into snakes slash serpents in Illyria. So yeah, that, that last part is sometimes thought to have been like a revenge thing, where uh, it was like in vengeance for the serpent that Cadmus killed, but sometimes there's a lot of like other ideas of um, eternal life and whatnot represented by snakes, so just depends on your interpretation. Next, we have Kicknus, or Kuknus, I guess, if you want to pronounce the Upsilon like that. So, at Etonos, uh, Kuknus challenged Heracles to a 1v1. No idea why you would do that, um, but then had help from Ares. So, I guess a 2v1, um, which is pretty scummy, in my opinion. But Heracles still wins, and... Uh, Ares tries to kill him, and either Zeus sent a thunderbolt to break up the battle, or Athena rolled up and stopped him. So this is once again kind of a nice example about how Ares really is not that successful with uh, fights. I mean, there's a different story that I omitted where it's like probably the only time I think he's ever really that successful. But yeah, most cases here, not very good at fighting. Next, we have Dia slash Strongle slash Naxos. Those are all various names of the same island. This is kind of unique because I usually talk about people, um, but this is more of a cultural kind of thing behind Ares. So apparently, people on this island would sacrifice horses to Ares and worshipped him in the form of a black rock, which is most likely a meteorite. The only reason I honestly included this is because when I competed in like the JCL that I've talked about before, it was like the national semifinals 2018 and I missed the question. I buzzed in on this clue and then had no idea who it was. And that was a, uh, that was pretty sad, but yeah, that's just a weird cultural thing that I don't know why they sacrifice horses or why. Well, okay. Worshiping the meteorites, not that surprising, but I don't know why they sacrifice horses specifically. Usually they sacrifice like oxen or something. But yeah, that's the little story there. Next, we have Hallerhotius. So he's probably one of the more famous stories about Ares for like a couple of reasons here and there. Um, but he's considered pretty hard in like the JCL environment. I don't know why. Anywho, Hallerhotius is a son of Poseidon and Eurite, and he was trying to rape Alkippe, Ares' daughter by a Growlis, and Ares caught him and killed him. So then, Poseidon being kind of, you know, peeved, and to put it lightly, that his son was killed, brought Ares to trial on a hill, and there Ares was killed by the Poseidon gods. So I guess that is a good sign that they allow people who stop rape via murder to be let go. And so this hill that he was tried on was named the Areopagus. And we'll see it, like, I think at least one more time. Um, later on in myth but yeah it's like just a famous hill that's just named after Ares so it's kind of like has a couple like neat things about it I mean besides this this being just some like random story about Ares it also has like significance in 
the actual impact of like geographical names. Next, we have Hippolyta. She was a daughter of Ares um, and like queen of the Amazons, whom he helped alongside in many wars against many kingdoms in Anatolia, which is modern-day Turkey, including Phrygia and Lycia. Those are probably the most famous regions of Anatolia and just Asia Minor in general. Um, but yeah, this is just more of like a kind of like, oh yeah, he's involved with the Amazons. I mean, we already discussed how he's pretty much the ancestor of the Amazons, but now you can see he's also direct, kind of directly involved in some of their uh, conquests. Next, we have Lycus. He was apparently this Libyan king who ruled a just some land that Diomedes, son of Tides and Deipoli, the like famous Trojan uh, ward guy, uh, washed up upon, so he washed up, washed up upon Lycus's shore, and he's said to have sacrificed strangers to his father Ares. Although seemingly Diomedes gets out of this, he does not actually get sacrificed. Um, but it's kind of interesting to see this Lycus uh, story because there are a couple of gods here and there that always seem to have random people. Okay, not necessarily random, but they have people, usually their children, who sacrifice to them so there's one with poseidon there's one with zeus and now there's one here with Ares. so it's kind of interesting to like consider like oh that's an interesting tradition i wonder why it's this god and so that's just kind of more or less why i brought it up next we have minoikius so minoikius is a son of creon and eurydice and during an episode called the seven against thebes which i will also talk about eventually um, Tiresias, the famous soothsayer and son of Caraclone Everes, told Creon of how Ares was still miffed about the killing of his son, the dragon from the Cadmus story, and demanded that a man who was descended on both sides from a group called the Spartoi, kind of like the OGs of uh, Thebes, and has never slept with a woman, sacrifice himself. So, as always in mythology, someone fits the description, and that man was Menoikius. He knew if he didn't, Thebes would fall, so he threw himself from the walls of Thebes against his father's will. Um, it's interesting to see the kind of like, most likely the point of the story is the sense of like piety and like filiate. I, I, that's not the word. Um, there's something. Piety? I, I don't know what the word is. I'm blanking on it now. But it's like piety towards the city. Um, and this is probably like one of those classic examples, kind of like how Aeneas, if you know who Aeneas is in myth, is like the epitome of like pietas, like piety for Rome. So that's pretty much more or less what's happening here, I think. Um, but yeah, pretty neat story. Next, we have Nisus. So Nisus was a king of Megara who had a lock of hair that was purple. This lock of hair was thought to have been given to him by Ares. And as long as he had this lock of hair, Megara would not fall. Nevertheless, Scylla, his daughter, fell in love with Minos, the king of Crete laying siege at the time, and cut off this lock of hair and ran to Minos hoping to win his love, only to be rejected. So Nisus, out of anger, chased after her, uh, but she jumped off a cliff before he could, so Ares turned him into like an osprey slash eagle, and Scylla a cuirass, some sort of seabird, perhaps a painted bunting. I kind of tried to research what it could be. And that at least has it in its scientific name, so perhaps um, that is the bird. And pretty much Nisus is just, the idea is like perpetually hunting uh, Scylla, and that's kind of like the idea of like the bird relationship. So that's kind of like a another thing that 
culturally gets done is like, okay, you have like, you know, why is this bird hunting this bird? And it's like, oh, well, this is some story behind it. So, I mean, that probably wasn't the main point of the story, but that definitely is something that could have come out of it. Next, we have Oinomaeus. So, Oinomaeus is this king of Elis, and he was just given a set of very swift horses and weapons. Weapons are not swift. Um, by Ares, as he was his father, and he would use it to chase the suitors vying for the hand of his daughter. There's a whole story there that I'll eventually get to, um, but just know that's a kind of like a little gift that he got from Ares. Next, we have Otus and Ephialtes. These bozos, the son of Iphimidea and Poseidon, known as the Eloidae, were twin brother giants that kidnapped Ares and trapped him in a bronze jar. After 13 months, the stepmother of the Eloidae, Eraboya told Hermes, and Hermes came and rescued him. So, like, I mean, I call them bozos, but then you really question whether Ares is the bozo or they're the bozos, because how do you get trapped in a bronze jar? Like, you're a god, right? I mean, I feel like you should be able to get out of this problem. I don't know. Seems kind of silly. I don't know why this is even, like, a story just in general, um, but it's a thing. Next, we have Persephone. And so, according to Nonus's Dionysiaca, he attempted to woo Persephone, he being Ares, that is, by offering a spear and a cuirass, as well as a shield, but Demeter turned him down. Apparently, there are other gods who also tried wooing Persephone, like kind of getting her hand before Hades decided kidnapping her was the disturbingly easiest solution. Um, But yeah, that's just kind of like a neat little thing. Next, we have Polyphonte. This is all according to Antoninus's, Antoninus Liberalis's Metamorphoses, so take it with a grain of salt. So Polyphonte was a daughter of Thrasa, daughter of Ares and Terene, and Hipponous, son of Tribalos. She randomly, by some weird demon energy, had like sex with a bear, and bore it two sons named Agrius and Oreus, who were super big and strong and otter no one, and if they met a stranger, they would bring them home and eat them. So just to like kind of think about Agrius and Aureus for a second. So these are people who do not honor the gods, they honor no one, and they also are like cannibals. So that should give you an idea of just how like foreign these characters may be. And honestly, this may just be a like subtle racist story going on here. That is definitely not impossible. Um, But yeah, this is Agrius and Aureus are very interesting people. And Zeus did not appreciate this impertinence, as always. He should always be respected. And he sent Hermes to punish them however he wished. For some reason, I think this is being a sadist? Yeah, I think it is. Hermes decided he wanted to cut off their hands and feet. But, since they were descendants of Ares, Ares took them away and turned them into birds. Polyphonte became a small owl. Oreus, an eagle owl. Eagle owl. Agrius, a vulture. And their random servant also got turned into a bird. They got turned into a woodpecker because they had prayed to the gods that they not be turned into something bad for mankind. I really just don't follow how the servant even matters for being changed. Maybe because they were complicit in like helping. I, I don't, I don't follow. Anywho, our final story is Thanatos. There is a famous story where a mortal named Sisyphus ties up Thanatos, the embodiment of death. This is how Sisyphus evades death and actually stays alive. 
and apparently Ares freed Thanatos and then handed Sisyphus over. So kind of a buzzkill in my opinion. I think it is very cool that a mortal figured out how to tie a god and escape death. But then Ares was just being kind of lame and uh, handed Sisyphus back over. So I don't know. I'm not really the biggest fan of Ares. But yeah, that is pretty much everything for this episode. Um, the basic kind of... Uh, themes you kind of get about the god is how involved he is in fighting naturally as a war god um but you also get this kind of like bigger view of how multifaceted he is both in how he hands out favors and punishments and really seems to favor his kids a lot there seems to be a lot of interaction there um but it is it's very odd to think like the god of war also is kind of multifaceted because you see it with like stuff like apollo and you're like oh yeah that makes sense he's already the god of so many different domains why not why not but Ares is kind of more or less one-dimensional. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the weird thing about him. So, as always, I hope it was interesting, fun, and exciting to listen to. I hope I was not too monotonous or boring or whatever it may be. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, or concerns, you have my email. Otherwise, I will see you next time when we go to Ares Part 3. That will hopefully come out much sooner than Ares Part 2 did in respect to Part 1 where we will now begin to talk about his children and their children until we get exhausted and done and maybe have to go for more than one episode. Other than that, I'll see you next time. Take care.